welcome everyone to podcast number four, which is a very festive podcast because today I'm celebrating one year of writing my newsletter, Friday's Digest. And I will take on this opportunity to share what I've learned over the last year writing this newsletter, and I'm going to divide it into nine lessons. But before I start and pull back the curtain and share everything I learned, let's go back a year to August 2022. At that time, I was about one month into my fellowship and two months in Boston. My dear wife and kids are still back home in Israel. They joined me about two and a half months after I arrived here. At that time, I was pretty much done with setting up the apartment that took a while. It's a hundred year old apartment. The place was filthy. Okay, I had to clean it up, scrub everything, add a huge pile of paperwork to do. There is a lot of paperwork coming with moving to another country. And on top of that, I studied every single day, both to my fellowship and also to my USMLE exam. USMLE is the United States Medical License Exam. This is the exam you need to take if you want to have an MD, a medical doctor license in the US. I slept around four hours a night at that time. That was pretty terrible. And I was exhausted, simply exhausted. So it's a Saturday morning. I'm back home from my morning rounds at the hospital. I'm taking a break. And in my break, I watched YouTube. I opened a YouTube video made by Ali Abdal. The title and the subject were how to write a newsletter, or I think it was more like, why should everyone start a newsletter? That made me curious. And I wondered, how would it be like if I start a newsletter of my own? That's an interesting idea. It's a challenge for sure. At that time, I had no idea what I'm going to write about. Will it be about the fellowship? Will it be about all the things I learned over the years? Who is going to read it? Who I'm going to send it to? I had no idea, but I played around with the idea and then I thought, okay, that's a nice challenge, but let's wait. I have one more month before I take my USMLE and then I'll have more time. But then for some reason, I just thought to myself, okay, let's just start and see what happens. So I sat down and wrote my first newsletter and sent it to my first eight subscribers, which were very close friends and family. After writing the first issues, I reached out to more and more friends and family and invited them to subscribe. Most did, some didn't. And as time went on, I gained more and more subscribers. Uh, I didn't approach any more people uh, actively. People found out about this newsletter. I'll tell you how later on. And I became more and more confident in the value I was providing every week. But it's very, very hard work. And that brings us back to the present. And now I would like to share with you the nine lessons I learned from writing a newsletter for one year. Let's start with number one. Be transparent. By being transparent, I also mean vulnerable. 
Now, I don't have a stage fright. I was shy as a kid, no pun intended, shy, get it? So I was very shy as a kid, but since I became a teacher as a teenager, that shyness completely went away. And nowadays I have no problem standing in front of an audience, hundreds and even thousands of people and delivering a lecture. But writing a newsletter and sharing my experiences and my private life with the world, that's a whole, a whole different ballgame. As time went on, I got more and more emails, very nice emails about how what I wrote helped people with their endeavors. But as with everything in life, there is always a downside, which brings us to lesson number two. You need to deal with your failures. There are the social media posts that don't get attention, and I'll get to it as we move on the newsletters that just fall flat. Some people sometimes perceive what to write in a negative manner, although that wasn't my intention at all. These are the things you need to accept if you start a newsletter. It's part of the deal. However, these challenges, the social media posts and the less, let's say, the bad newsletters and the people who perceive it negatively, they contribute so much to your skill set and your character. And if you take the, the newsletter experience as a whole, it's an extremely positive and very rewarding experience. That was lesson number two, dealing with failures. Lesson number three, as you write a newsletter, you will reach an unexpected audience. And this is one of the things that you experience when you write a newsletter, you're putting yourself out there and you reach more people you never thought you would. When you get to meet in person with your readers, that's so cool because you immediately connect. You have so much to talk about because you have common grounds. It ranges from the pen we both use, like the Fisher Space Pen that I recommended in one of my newsletters, how to read 1,000 manuscripts a year in 22 minutes a day, which is nothing less than a bestseller of mine, both in the text version and also the YouTube video that I just released. So reaching an unexpected audience is, is, is great. It's serendipity. Lesson number four is being consistent. The single most important thing about writing a newsletter, this is it, being consistent. All the writers, all the writers of successful newsletters with 100,000 of readers always emphasize one thing and one thing only. You need to stay consistent and publish. You need to stay consistent and publish. You can't skip. You don't stop, you just keep going. And as I'm writing this newsletter for a year now, I'm staying true to this mantra. Publish every week, come rain or shine. Number five is what I call, you'll feel like a salesperson. You're selling something. Let me start by saying that I don't make any money from this newsletter and have no financial incentive to write it, but when people subscribe to my newsletter, they pay me with their time and attention. If we go back to the COVID-19 lockdown, 
people had more time then. Shortly after the pandemic ended, we're back at the same crazy pace, trying to get it all, not sleeping much and not spending time with our loved ones. And time is again a precious commodity, something that is really hard to come by. So my incentive is clear. I want to reach an audience who can benefit from my experience and use it to their own good. But putting your newsletter out there and trying to reach an audience require you to sell it. There is no way around it. Some writers may like this part of selling it. I'm not one of them. For example, I considered asking my readers to refer their friends and family to subscribe to my newsletter as well. If you listen to or read any basic, very basic marketing strategy, this is exactly what I'm supposed to do. Ask people to advertise and talk about my newsletter. But that's just not me. It might change in the future, but right now um, I don't see, I don't think comfortable asking it. We'll see. Number six is what I call the deep water of social media. That was one of the more challenging aspects of entering the newsletter world. Simply emailing this newsletter to my subscribers won't bring it to the attention of other potential readers. At that time, a year ago, I only had a Twitter account, the Twitter account that I opened on 2018. And I used it mostly for science, very professional, very strict. But for the sake of this newsletter, I had to do more. I opened a LinkedIn account and started posting about my newsletter, both on LinkedIn and on Twitter. And that was a rough transition. In the beginning, I got very few responses and likes. And the result is brutal in this case, because if people don't click on a post in their feed, it won't be presented to others. This is what they call impressions. If your post appears in the feed, in what people see on their screen, it doesn't mean that they read it. It just means that your post appeared on their screen. If they don't click it, it's like a death sentence to your post. It just means that someone saw your post and decided not to read it. With time, I learned how to write social media posts. I'm definitely in a better place right now, but it's still no less than a battle, a constant battle. I also decided to post about my newsletter on LinkedIn and leave Twitter for more science-related posts. I might change it in the future, but this is how I do it nowadays. Number seven. Number seven is investing time. In the beginning, writing this newsletter took me about eight to 10 hours a week. I'm talking about just writing this newsletter, not everything that comes with it, all the technical aspect that I will get later on. I wrote it while I was riding the train to work. I wrote it while walking between the operating room and the clinic. I even wrote it while walking up the stairs. In the first few months, I dealt with newsletters being erased. The newsletter site that I used called Review, it was owned by Twitter and Twitter decided just to shut it down. So I had to migrate my newsletter to other services. Nowadays I use ConvertKit, but I had like a few days afterwards, all my newsletters would get erased if I won't migrate it. That was tough. 
at times I even got up I remember at 4 a.m. during our family vacation okay got up at 4 a.m. during a vacation just to write this newsletter before my dear wife and kids wake up but publishing consistently is vital when you write a newsletter come rain or shine I publish nowadays it takes me much less time around three to four hours a week it's mainly because I've become a uh, better at writing it and also I established a very very efficient system to publish it so nowadays around three to four hours a week this will vary considerably if you're a native English speaker and have previous writing experience I guess it can take you half hour I don't know for me it took eight to ten hours in the beginning number eight the lesson is improve your writing skills and that's an enormous advantage of writing a newsletter and this is one of the things that always keep me going I see it this way even if I don't accomplish anything and I mean anything with this newsletter one of the things that will always get better is how I write because I sit and write you will get better because you do it this is as simple as that and since my English is not my native language this is a huge huge added benefit which brings us to our final lesson which is the I don't know if to call it the need to broaden into other platforms such as YouTube and podcasts or the option to broaden yourself expand yourself into YouTube and podcasts the principle is simple people who read newsletters don't necessarily watch YouTube or listen to podcasts and vice versa some read my newsletter every single week but just prefer not to subscribe it's my job to adapt and to diversify what I offer this is why I experimented a while back with an audio version of my newsletter I used AI artificial intelligence software to read it aloud but it's computerized voice who again sounds really great for a computer but then I realized that I simply don't like it people should hear my own voice not a computer's voice so I started the podcast which you are listening to right now some of my guides are perfect for YouTube videos my readers sent me emails requesting video guides for certain newsletters which were pretty complicated such as um, how I read 1000 manuscripts a year in 22 minutes a day um, it took a while for people to set it up on their own computer because it's much easier to just watch it on the screen so I finally managed to film these videos because I don't have much time to do these videos but expanding into YouTube is one of the things that I elected to do and for those who want to receive a guide every single day in a very specific subject such as how is it like to be a scientist or how to start a new job or how is it like to be a fellow in the United States so I prepared seven day email course they are free you get an email every single day with the lesson in these subjects 
how much time does it all take? So for YouTube videos, it takes me about six to 10 hours per one video. I'm talking about the scripting of the video, actually filming it, and then I need to edit it. So six to 10 hours for YouTube video, this is what it takes me. Some people will do it much faster. Preparing a podcast takes me about 20 to 40 minutes. There is no much editing going into the podcast. What you hear right now is extremely close to the original recorded version. And to prepare an email course, it takes me about uh, two hours to edit it. So this is the time that it takes. So there are fun parts for this uh, broadening or expanding into other platforms. I'm challenging myself in trying new things. So this is just me. I need to have diverse activities and hobbies. It helps me to focus better on each of them. This is just how I am. Another fun part is I get to invest in gadgets for filming and recording the podcast. And I just love gadgets, so it's a great part. Okay, these were my nine lessons of writing a newsletter uh, for a year. Let's sum it up. There is the be transparent and vulnerable. That was number one. Number two was deal with failures. Number three was you'll reach an unexpected audience. Number four is be consistent. Number five is you will feel like a salesperson. Number six is you'll have to jump into the deep water of social media. Number seven was about investing time. Number eight was improving your writing skills that come with writing a newsletter. That's a huge advantage. And number nine, the last one was broadened into other platforms such as email courses, YouTube, and a podcast. So that's it. For those of you who are mainly interested in that, um, that's great. Uh, you can stop this podcast right now. But if you're interested in hearing about the gear that I use for my YouTube videos and for my podcast, you're welcome to stay and listen uh, to the last few minutes. For my YouTube videos and podcasts, I film with my iPhone 12 mini. I use it as my main camera. Yes, you heard it correctly. I'm using my iPhone 12 mini as my main camera. I have high-end professional cameras for my surgical work, but when it comes to filming a YouTube video, I like to keep things simple and I just don't like to waste time. I just mount my iPhone 12 mini and use it to film it. My MacBook, MacBook M2 Pro 14 inch is the one that I use to capture and to share my screen in my video tutorials. I connect it wirelessly with my iPhone, which is connected as my camera. Microphone, so I'm using the Blue Yeti microphone. This is my go-to microphone, both for YouTube videos and my podcast. For YouTube, I hang it above me, outside the frame. And for my podcast, I place it uh, on the table right in front of me. Headphones, so I use the Sony, okay, that's complicated, Sony MDR7506 studio headphones. So these headphones help me monitor my voice. I'm wearing my headphones while recording this podcast, like I'm doing right now, so I get to hear my own voice. And also while edit, they produce a very flat sound which is essential when you're aiming for high quality results.
I also use a microphone pop filter. That's something you place in front of your microphone to make all these p, p, b, all these annoying letters sound less plosive. And the S, s the S sound less hissy. I use Final Cut Pro as my tool of choice for editing my videos, and I use Audacity for editing my podcast. The microphone arm that I use, I hang the microphone above me for my YouTube videos, and I also use a small tripod to mount my iPhone. The links to all these products are in my newsletter. None of, none of them is affiliated or anything like that. And lastly, I'm going to describe my process of writing the newsletter. So I write the newsletter itself in Notion. Once it's done, I copy paste it into ConvertKit. ConvertKit is my primary email publishing tool. Next, I copy paste my newsletter also into Medium and Substack. Both of them are newsletter services, but I have no subscribers there. I keep all my subscribers on a single platform, which is ConvertKit. Why do I take this extra step? Why do I publish on three platforms, but my subscribers are just on one of them? So if something happens to ConvertKit, like something happened to review the previous newsletters website that was just shut down, I had to migrate. So if this thing happens again, I can migrate to a different service in literally five minutes and my subscribers won't notice anything. It took me about 40 hours, 40 hours to establish this safety net, but um, I don't want to go over uh, this process again. If something happens, I have this redundancy and I just like it this way. Finally, I copy paste my newsletters onto my website. So this way, every newsletter is published on four different platforms and saved onto my Notion advantages. So as I mentioned before, redundancy, the migration between them, if I need to migrate between services is easy and I get better exposure on search engines because my content is on four different platforms in addition to LinkedIn and sometime uh, with Twitter. Okay, that was a long one. Uh, my next podcast won't be long as this, but I wanted to share uh, everything I learned and also uh, to give all the details to anyone that is interested in starting their own newsletter. With that, we'll end our current podcast, podcast number four. Have a great weekend and I'll see you in the next one.